So if you are creative or you would like to start creating more things in your life, then The War of Art is an awesome book that will change the way you think about your art, but predominantly about the resistance we all feel towards creating our art. Let me just start off by saying that art is anything that you can create. So if you take a blank canvas and you paint or you write, that is your artwork. This video, me speaking on camera, this is my artwork because I'm creating it. It's something that exists after I die. And that's a really good parameter to understand. If it can exist after you have died, then the chances are it is your art. This book is fantastic for bringing to our attention the idea of resistance. So if you've ever tried to accomplish anything in your life, not even necessarily creating art, maybe trying to get a six pack, losing weight, moving your life in a new direction, you're going to feel something called resistance. And resistance essentially, as described in the book, is a fear. And once you understand that it is just a fear, it allows you to break through and see what's on the other side. Buddhists often talk about this, where they describe that if you have all these aspirations in your life, for example, you want to go traveling or you want to read a certain book, they believe that you should do that as soon as possible, because until you've done it, you're not going to know what's on the other side. In business, there's also the idea of doing a minimum viable option to try something to see if A, it works and B, you like it. So there's a nugget of wisdom there. If you're looking at changing your life or doing anything new, just do it once. The simplest, cheapest and easiest way of doing it. See what's on the other side. See if you like it. See if you love it. See if you don't. But that can actually really help you save time, effort and money. So if resistance is something that we all feel, what exactly is it? Well, in the book, he describes it as being a fear. So, for example, you are working as an investment banker. You're earning loads of money, but you'd like to be a musician. As you can imagine, you're going to feel some resistance because of the quality of life and the money you have and trying to ascend to a higher level of creativity in your life. The author describes this as the most difficult thing that we face as human beings, that if you cannot overcome resistance, then you're stuck where you are for the rest of your life. So it's extremely important that we understand what resistance is and what we can do to combat it, to develop our life. The more resistance you feel, as described by Steve Priestfield in the book, the more it should be a signpost for you wanting to do it. I've got so many examples of this in my lifetime, it's unbelievable. So when I first started off as a professional dating coach and I was doing essentially dating confidence courses all over the UK, then I decided that I wanted to branch out and do them over Europe. Now, when I first landed in Europe, I was petrified <laughs> of speaking to someone during the day in a foreign language. And for me, it was the most difficult thing ever. And I felt huge resistance to it. And at the time, I remember thinking, hang on, if I just zoom out of this, this is a very short term issue. And that's the first tool or technique that you can use to overcome resistance. If you could just zoom out a little bit from where you are, just come back a little bit, you'll realize that you're not quite so close and you can look at your longer term ambitions and plans. If you've listened to my content before, you'll realize that I'm a very long term thinker. And for me, the more long term you think, like going wider than that, 
the less the smaller issues of life can affect you. Because if you're thinking really small term, like, for example, that girl's attractive and I really want to speak to her, you're sort of really here. But if you can come back and say, okay, I want to get over this fear. There's going to be loads of opportunities. There's one. Perhaps I should go and talk to her. Your resistance is going to be lower. So the first thing that you can do is take a longer term approach to it. The second thing you can do is to actually break it down into smaller segments. I was actually brainstorming about this the other day because I recorded a podcast a few years ago about Buddha's life story. And what the Buddha teaches is that we create our own problems in life, is that our desires, our desire for attainment of some goal gives us a problem. So I was thinking, okay, let's, for example, say you have an ambition to have 10 million followers on Instagram or YouTube. Buddha or Buddhism would teach that that in itself would give you pain because it's out of your control. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, what happens if you want to go and get a new haircut? You can go and book a haircut and get it done the same day. It's still a desire. So what's the difference? And this is where I worked out that the only difference is time. You want to book a haircut, you can book it straight away. The time's here. You want to grow 10 million Instagram followers. The time is the problem. And the time is what gives you the issue. If you realize that you can achieve anything in your life given enough time, there's two things you can do. The first thing is you can accept that it will take time. That takes pressure off. Second thing you can do is to create mini goals. So rather than saying, I want to have 10 million followers or 10 million Instagram um, people online, what you can do instead is say, okay, I'm going to post something today. See, the shorter term ambition of doing that today takes away the burden of having so many desires in your life. It's a big thing for me personally to recognize this because I've always been about thinking long-term, thinking long-term, don't worry about the short-term, don't worry about the short-term. But actually thinking in short-term chunks is a really good way to get over that psychological issue of trying to set lofty ambitions and lofty ideals. I'm going to get into this because it's interesting. So I did a podcast years ago. I interviewed a a few people about goal setting and one of them was a very short-term thinker. The other one was sort of medium-term thinker. And I was this sort of long terms or I'm going to think about so far ahead. And they were trying to tell me that 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 would create pain in my life. And I guess for them it would, but for me it never did. And the reason why is because I'm able to let go. I'm able to let go of the lofty ideal and realize what I need to work on in smaller chunks to get there. So if you're watching this and you're someone that wants to start being more creative or you want to have more self-expression or become an artist in your life. It's fine to have a lofty ideal, but what you have to do is do something today towards the attainment of it and be happy that you've taken action. Something very small, doesn't need to be huge, but just taking action really helps you. So if we go back to resistance as described in the book, Steve Priestfield believes that the more resistance you feel, the more it's a sign that that's what you need to do. So the more fear you have, that's what you need to do. Now, how do you handle fear in the moment? This is something that I've ended up knowing a lot about and through no specific reason of actually wanting to, 
It's just my career has led me to be in that situation many times. So from whether you're about to go online, oh, sorry, whether you're about to go on stage and do a, a public speech, right? Or you're coaching people to go and approach people that they find physically attractive. Both of those bring up a lot of fear. You wouldn't believe some of the things that I've seen. Ultra, ultra successful people, hugely successful people, crumbling at the prospect of the idea of just starting a conversation with someone. It brings up a huge amount of fear. And there's things that I've learned along the way that can really help you overcome that fear. So if we're talking about resistance, which as described in the book is a fear, there's three things that really help. Number one is just the minimum viable thing towards it, which I described earlier. You've got a big ambition. Just take the smallest possible step. If you can't do that, think about the smallest possible step. But as soon as you start thinking about that, you, sm you, you make the chunk smaller and it reduces the fear. The second thing you can do is something called an affirmation. Now, an affirmation is a personal mantra. It's something that you say to yourself, which empowers you. And on my dating confidence courses, I say, if you only had three seconds to live and you had to give one piece of advice to your grandson, what would it be? And often you'll get, just do it, live life for the moment. They're called mantras or personal affirmations. If you say them to yourself, they make you feel better about taking steps towards your goal. They empower your mind and they make you feel good. And the final one, um, labeled by Amy Cuddy as power posing. Power posing is like just anything where you're getting your body moving. Uh, the British military stand to attention. But essentially, it's a body movement that energizes you to feel stronger and powerful. These three together, minimum viable, affirmations and power posing will change your life when it comes to overcoming fear. They're very good for dealing with fear in the moment. And as I mentioned earlier, I have coached so many people in high stress situations and these three tools work. I've tried, you wouldn't believe how many things I've tried. <laughs> Ridiculous amount. These are the three fundamentals that I found work for me and for my clients over the years. So let's let's go back to just talking about the the war of art. I like the name of the book as well. I mean the war of art because essentially it, it does feel like a war. If you're someone that is creating or being a creator, first of all, you're going to feel amazing because you're breaking free from your previous life and you're self-expressing and all these ideas will flood to you and it'll be amazing. I remember when I recorded my first 30 podcast episode, it was like, boom, I was, I was alive. I was just this, I don't know, just possessed with creating content and it felt amazing. But it doesn't matter who you are. There'll come a stage where that content creation dries up and that's when it can get tricky. And this is where some of the tools in the book can really help you. Something I found is that don't, commit to doing too many of the same thing. So if you're going to create a, a Q&A, don't plan 20 of them, just plan one. If you feel good and you're energetic, you want to do another one, do another one, but don't commit to doing 20 because you may not enjoy it after the first few. Always talk about stuff on camera that you're excited about or frustrated about. Don't just go through the motions because there's nothing worse than an artist going through the motions. You can feel it and it comes across. So if you want to move into that realm of creating art, make sure it's something that invigorates you or frustrates you. That will really help. 
Just a few of the things about speaking and, and creating art that I found to be massively beneficial in my life. It's probably just boil it down to, to one thing. Always try and do something different. You know, if you're an artist and you're a creative, then being narrowed down to this tiny sort of, you're going to be doing it like this is not really ideal. I've fallen into that trap before with my previous content where it's all very much the same. And as a creative, it just knocks it out of you. So you want to be in a situation where when the time's right, you can self-express. So how does that look in the real world? It means having a camera and audio on you all the time if you're on record videos. It means having your artwork on you if you're a painter all the time. It means if you're a writer, having a pen and paper with you so that when the creativity comes, you can unleash it immediately. That's really important. There's nothing worse than feeling creative and the energy goes by the time you come to film or record. It's huge. So you've got to be able to express very quickly. The other thing I'd say, I, I personally think that we all come from tribal hierarchies where if the knowledge isn't shared, then the chances are your tribe would essentially be killed or not make it through to the next level. So for me, sharing anything is beneficial for our mental well-being, but also for everyone else. There's one final thing that I wanted to talk about with regards to creating content or creating your art. Here's the easiest way of describing it. And I'm going to tell you a story about my grandmother, whose house I was around a couple of nights ago. She's very wise. She's a brilliant storyteller. And often when she's saying a nugget of wisdom, just you can feel the, the air change in the room. And she said that people's characters never change. They just learn to manage society differently. But the, the character is just the person. I remember I paused and really thought about what she said. And then I was thinking, why do these words mean more than what other people say? And here's the truth. Your art is a depiction of truth. Your aim is to allow other people that know nothing about what it is that you're trying to express to understand a truth about humanity, about nature or about the world. You see, my grandmother knew that. And when she gave me those words of wisdom, she, she was able to impart knowledge that's taken her over 80 years to understand. And there I am as a complete layman to what she's saying, understanding what it is that she said to me. That for me is art. That was a spoken form of art. If you look at any artist, really what they're doing is giving you a depiction of truth. Most artists in their early years are great, but as they progress and they get better and better and better, there's something captured, a moment in time that's so good. Francisco's, Francisco Goya's artwork for me is just one of the best. You look at it and it's like reading a book. It's like being there. You're completely encapsulated by the moment and you understand what it was like at that moment in time. That's art. So if you're going to start your journey to becoming an artist, to, to self-expressing. My advice would be just to start because unless you start, you don't know where it's going to go and keep peeling back those layers, getting closer and closer to truth. And remember your aim 
is to get closer and closer at depicting reality so other people can see things clearer through your work. War and Peace, one of the most famous Russian novels in ever written, describes artwork that way. In the introduction to his book, he says that art allows people to see closer to truth. He actually makes a distinction that says that art and history, history is a false narrative because you miss out information, whereas art is a depiction of truth. That's a really, I remember reading that thinking that is just awesome. So what are the takeaways from this book? Um, I better do a conclusion because my dog <laughs> is harassing me. I've uh, actually rehomed a red setter called Nala and um, she's harassing me to go for a walk because the weather's nice. So I better better wrap up this episode. So the, the war of art, the takeaways. Anytime you want to change your life, you're going to feel resistance. Knowing that that resistance is fear allows you to recognize this is just a fear and I need to get through it. The bigger that fear is, the more it's a signpost that that is the direction that you should be going in your life. I love this book. The audio version's great. Pick up a copy, read it. It will change your life if you're looking at creative self-expression.